welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm your host, AJ. Our beloved co-host, Gavin, is currently in Japan. So today, we have a very special guest. He is a actor, a stuntman, a lifelong martial artist, and a television personality. My good friend, Tiger. Hello, Tiger. Thank you so much. Wow, that was that was one hell of an intro that I did not deserve. You Thank did you deserve. So you did deserve. And I believe I gave you a similar one when we first recorded about a year and a half ago. And that episode, unfortunately, never got released uh, for a bunch of reasons. But this one will definitely be getting released tomorrow. So uh, it was the conspiracy theories, right? <laughs> definitely the conspiracy theories. <laughs> all yeah. Of our, yeah, yeah. We uh, I canceled all that five G talk. Yeah. <laughs> right. I canceled us before we everybody else else canceled us. But the big uh, martial arts shut us down. Yes, the most, sheep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Shaolin Do is after us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny uh, is I've mentioned. Like, I talk about faux martial arts with people and stuff, right? And they instinctively go towards, like, the the, the Qigong videos and stuff, right? Which is an example. But when I say faux martial arts, I'm specifically talking about, like, established styles, like Shaolin Do and some others that won't be named. Uh, But I feel like you and I are two of the only people that even know about these, like, little subsections of martial arts in America. Well, now the weird part is apparently not, right? Because when you look at, and, and when I say that is when you look at how many people do train Shaolin Do, obviously, but I mean, you know what? I, yeah, it's huge in Kentucky still. Yeah, well, you know what's funny? When I was a kid, there was a Shaolin Do uh, in Dallas. Huh. I, I don't know if it's still there, but maybe yeah, maybe it's like a, a Southern thing. But do you, how much do you know about Shaolin Do? Not to put you on the spot here. Have you ever looked into it? Oh yeah, I've gone down that rabbit hole. It's been a few years, but I mean, I know it, it supposedly came from Indonesia. Is Well, and that's where the, the master that brought it here, stateside. But their master was a guy who had that disease where hair the, goes yeah, all over your body. The so werewolf like thing. The werewolf thing. And he was left as a child because of it and then was taken in by the Shaolin monks and then they taught him the secret Shaolin style and then he ended up having to flee uh, and then he taught the one master who then ended up in Indonesia and then taught the next. It had a great backstory like they all do. You yeah. know, the, you have to create that backstory that gives you legitimacy yet also gives reason for the fact that nothing can be authenticated. It's right, like, right. Oh, it was a secret style that he was the last one to learn and then everything else got destroyed and this and that. And it's, you know, it's very uh, Frank Dukes-esque. Yeah. So, okay, I'm glad you know that because, yes, I thought I was the only nerd that spent uh, disproportional time Wikipediaing that a long time. You know, like, yes. like instead of going out on a Friday night, I was like, but, but what's funny too is uh, the one in Dallas back in the day where they had like a GeoCities website or whatever, right? <laughs> it was on that. Like, that's a big, yeah, that's a big... And and maybe because we're just like too deep in this shit as nerds, I can curse, right? Yes, Sorry, you can curse away. Um, that like it just kind of par for the course, right? Like as soon as we hear, like you know, like, we just see the BS markers, or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I always wonder, was like, why is and no offense to anybody who has that, I don't know, disease or illness, or whatever it's that condition, right. right? But like they lean really hard in the fact that like because he was like a hairy guy like that's why he was really good but and okay and here's the other thing this is another level of nerddom in my opinion that makes even less sense that he was a shaolin guy that sounds like a wu-tang thing right like Ah, super hairy like you know i don't know so but then i think always the other hallmark is that there's certain things that are legit in martial arts like jujitsu in brazil brazilian jujitsu becomes its own thing 
Muay Thai in, in, in the Netherlands becomes Dutch Muay Thai. Right. There is a tradi- like a, a, a great history of those kind of like intersectionalities that create something better almost, right? Like you can make arguments that like maybe Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is now the leader of Jiu-Jitsu, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or that technically maybe Dutch Muay Thai could be considered. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, that's up inter- interpretation, but they're so distinct enough where they're similar but strong enough to be their own, right? Yes. And but then yeah. – <laughs> But then you go to the other direction where it's like, as soon as someone tells me like, oh, okay, he does Shaolin, cool. So he's probably Chinese. Wait a minute. And then it's like, but then they brought it to like Guadalajara, Mexico. And then it's like this weird, like, like you can't trace the, like, and again, you could go to different parts of the world and be great, but you get what I'm saying, right? It's that weird trying to throw them off the set. Exactly. It's like money laundering. It's like bouncing around from this account because they make it so, they give this great backstory but they have a full, not a foolproof, but a almost foolproof plan of, well. It's untraceable. It, it, yeah. Like, sorry, it, it can't be proven or unproven. Whatever. And Shaolin Do, and like not to get on a weird diatribe on it because I don't want to get sued by them or whatever. <laughs> but like, I always, you know, okay. So again, how deep did you look? Because what's his name? Like, I think his name's like Master T. Oh, you're talking about the guy that like pretty much brought it to America yeah, from Indonesia. Yeah, he had like he looked like Liu Kang from yeah, Mortal Luke Kombat. Kind of Elvis, Elvis-esque a little bit too. Yeah, no, not much just from like what was pretty much on the websites that yeah. I To be fair, in I think maybe his heyday was like 80s, 90s, I could see the appeal, right? He's kind of mm-hmm. jacked, you know. Had the mullet, like he, every, like he kind of fit that profile, of like eighties action star, right? Yeah. Almost like a, like a poor man's Ho-Sung Park, basically, ah, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but what always got to me was that like, okay, so he does Shaolin, that tracks. Let's just say like, that's what he, okay. So we know we've established like what he does, right? Then you add in the gi, right? Like, like they always wear karate gis and it's like, okay, I get that too. You can make that argument of like when they first came to America, they didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like that. No, remember that was part of the story in Indonesia. They had to hide it from oh, the Japanese okay, right, right. because they were in, in like the Japanese were, I, I guess I, they must've, I mean, they were obviously controlling a lot of Southeast Asia at that time, but they couldn't make it a Chinese martial art. So they put on the right, karate right. gis yeah. to make it look Japanese. So then, okay. So right. It's just, it's like, it's just, you know, it's okay. Someone said this to me the other day about how like liars, right? Liars either explain too much or explain too little. Mm-hmm. There's no middle ground. You know what I'm talking about yeah. like, and so that's what's weird is, right? So it's like, then they were, the, so what always got to me was in at this point, right? When I watched that demo reel of his stuff, it's like, it looks like no type of Shaolin I've seen, whether you go to the traditional side of like traditional martial arts or maybe what you would call modern Shaolin or, you know, whatever we see in mainland now, looks nothing like any of it. And it's in a gi. And I just feel like in this modern time, especially because they're not even – like they're in America, right, the world we've seen them. They're not beholden to be doing any of the gi stuff either, right? Yep. So that's what makes me think it's so freaking weird. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, well, the 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 faux style I did for a couple of years growing up, uh, which is predominantly a California-based one – very similar style backstory, like this. It was a uh, sacred style, only taught to the eldest Manchu warlord's son, and like. But theirs was even better because it was a white guy. Their original story, a yes. white guy, the guy who f- founded the system here in America, snuck over to like Tianjin, China, on a freighter ship, like in the 1940s or something. Learned the style, brought it back, and like I remember even as a kid being already a nerd, like into martial arts and stuff, and like even history in general. And I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't make much sense. This is like he's going like it was. I think it was supposed to be maybe the 50s. I'm like, this is like 
post-World War II communist China. How did this white guy supposedly sneak on a ship, go into mainland China, learn the super secret style that they like wouldn't teach the locals, but decided to teach this, you know, Weigelren. And then suddenly he comes back and then, you know, it was just... But the funny part is in recent years, a lot of this particular chain, they've abandoned that entire backstory. Like none of the websites mm. have it anymore. Whereas before, back then, they all they rebranded. You can yeah. do that. You're allowed to rebrand. They pretty much rebranded and they've kind of tried to, I think, for a smart reason and tried to abandon that. And the thing is, the system in actuality, I found out later, was American Kempo. They threw Tracy yeah. Kempo to be specific. They threw in a few random kung fu moves and then created this, you know, fake system to make money off it. Think about it, it's the 70s and stuff. The internet wasn't around back then. You could do that. You know, right? What's crazy is sorry, I don't mean to cut you off there, but like, isn't it nuts that technically that shit was still pretty prevalent up until I want to say the late 90s? Oh, 100 percent Right? I mean, you could make an argument it's even prevalent-ish now yeah. with dojo stuff, but yeah. Ugh. Yeah, but like the thing is, the style had mm. some legitimacy to it in the sense of being like a self-defense system due to the Kempo background. Like, mm. you know, good, okay, like outdated type stuff, like someone grabs you here, this, ba 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 ba. But like you said, this looked nothing like any Chinese martial arts system I'd ever seen, you know, and even that the animals that were part of the system, it was like eight animals and people are going to figure out what I'm talking about, but it's like, it had like the mongoose and stuff. And I'm like, mongoose. you know what? Uh, my years of like being interested in Chinese martial arts and having lived in China for a long time, I've never seen never the seen mongoose, the mongoose. Yeah. even the, and they had like the mongoose, the bear, uh, some other ones <laughs> like the, the bear's kind of a I can see it just like it they bounces had, around in some Chinese martial they arts. had the yeah. chicken which also you see the chicken in like singy I think and stuff but still you know the mongoose one for me I was kind of like the part that gets to me in that story and maybe I misunderstood it but is the Manchu thing right yes because no 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 self uh self-respecting ancient Chinese you know like all the it's like the entire series of Wong Fei Hong was just basically him fighting Manchus half yeah. the time, right? Like, I don't know. That's like wow. half the sh more than half the Shaw Brothers movies, right? So it's like yeah, maybe yeah. that's how they were like taking it too. Like, ah, oh, see, people are going to think that, you know, they wouldn't question us because we're uh, admitting coming from uh, the line of the enemy type thing. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but real quick. Quick background about yourself. We've just been uh, chit-chatting away, but let people know a little bit about oh, Tiger. Uh Ooh, there's there's nothing really that interesting to be. Uh, no, I'm good with paper mache. Uh, well, okay, so I guess pertaining to what we do now, right? Um, I grew up in the South in Texas, the good old state of Texas, and I grew up uh, doing martial arts, much like yourself. I started in uh, a martial art called Jimudo, which I believe is Korean for fake martial art. <laughs> which again, <laughs> come at me, Jimudo. Yeah. So funny side story on that. I've tried to look them up. There's nothing on them. Like literally, you know, like most from fake martial, you'll find something. Like, yeah. Kind of blows my mind. But anyway, um, and from there, you know, I was lucky enough to start training in a Kung Fu style, a Northern Shaolin one called uh, uh, Cantonese, uh, my Zhang La Horn, but in uh, Mandarin, Mi Zhong Wo Han. Mm. So it's like a northern style. And then, uh, yeah, that was kind of my jam as a kid. I, I really loved Kung Fu. I was a nerd about it and uh, kind of got me into Wushu. So when I was younger, I was lucky enough to actually go train in China and stuff. So, you know, that's why we kind of like when I first met you it was so cool is that it's it's very hard to meet people nowadays who have trained. Not because there aren't a lot of people who train. There are tons. It's that, but there was just this weird period of time where it wasn't as easy to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, social media, all that stuff. And so it's just, it's kind of cool to know like people who were like been there, done that before things got a little different, you know? Uh, 
And then I got into boxing and or I got into Muay Thai and, you know, like MMA stuff uh, and call it or, or is it high, like late high school, or college. I don't remember. I'm, I'm an old fart now. But uh, yeah, then started training that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of just my jam. And I was always a ham as a kid, uh, did like theater stuff. And, you know, I just kind of always thought the natural progression of my martial arts journey was to kind of hopefully do it in, in the movie business, you know, and was lucky enough to kind of start working there here and there and uh, first as an actor and now lucky enough to do some stunt stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, we met at uh, the world famous House of Champions Gym, ah, yes, Van Nuys, yes, yes. California. So at the time, uh, that's where Sugarfoot, my sensei, was uh, training uh, a lot of people out of. And we had a there wasn't really much of a fight team at that point, but Sugarfoot had his fighters, myself and a couple others. And the stunt class would go on at the same time in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we first met. You and I, we got to talking. And then I was like, oh, man, this guy, yeah, you, you like a lot of the same stuff I do. And like you, and as we've gotten to know each other over the years, our, our, our lives have a kind of like a similar trajectory, even though you were Texas, I was Central Valley, California. Uh, they mirror each other a lot, like just on our journeys and the stuff we've done and randomly meeting like celebrities at certain ages or like, you know, you send me pictures of like, or the, you know, talking about, uh, well, or like even you training with Guy Mesger, right. And stuff mm. back in the day, me training under Sugarfoot and then, you know, uh, meeting, you met Chuck Norris, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah, random yeah. stories, like, like me meeting other people. I forgot about that. To yeah. be honest. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. And the, the, well, the, and, uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. oh, I was just going to say, and then the funny part is we'll go on these tangents when we're texting and stuff. And as I always joke, when suddenly like I'm just into my phone, like Jessica knows it's like, it's, she's never suspicious that I, it's like, who are you right. texting? It's like, oh, you're texting Tiger, aren't you? I'm like, what? Huh? Yeah. 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 Sorry. We're, 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 we're talking, theorizing what would have happened had Bruce Lee not died. Give me a second. Well, you there's, know? there's a certain level of nerdum that I, I really appreciate that you bring because there's nerd, right? Like, like nerd stuff, especially now in all forms, right? It's like praised, right? Like it's, it's part of the zeitgeist, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think there is for martial arts nerds yet, yet. And I don't think there ever will be rightfully so. And I say that because there's one thing about being like a specific martial arts nerd. Mm -hmm. There's fight nerds, right? Which I think is actually probably the most easy one to be, right? Like yes. if you like watch, you know, kickboxing, Muay Thai, or just UFC. You could be a casual, you could be a diehard, whatever the F, right? You could be a martial arts movie nerd, which is its own thing, right? Shaw Brothers, you know, classics, current stuff, right? You could just be a martial arts nerd in that, like, you love doing, like, traditional or katas or whatever, right? All those things. But to hit, like, I don't know, was that three or four of them, but, like, the, the hat trick of, like, not only loving all of them, but also know like you're the only person that I could probably just text at like two in the morning and make like a Larry Tatum joke and you would get it, <laughs> you know, or like or, or like make some reference to a Sheeta Kim. Yep. And you would get it. You know what I mean? We're we're, so. a, we're a small breed. And I think inadvertently, if you know Larry Tatum, Ashita Kim, any of that, you yourself have also grown up doing martial arts. Like, right. I, I don't know anybody that knows that much stuff. Like the closest would be so my wonderful co-host Gavin, he has done martial arts off and on his whole life also, but uh, not as like hardcore uh, and continuously. Because he actually had a life. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the funny part is he knows all the same stuff. That's how he and I first connected because like you mentioned, you mentioned these little sub uh, sections of like Shaw Brothers or Van Damme films, right? Gavin was one of the first guys I met that like me, like you, knew all of them, you know? So that's why we can talk about uh, – 
1970s Shaw Brothers or 1980s Golden Harvest or early 90s straight to video Jeff Speakman. You know what I mean? Well, like, Here's the thing that I've always really respected and honestly, like really appreciated about you because look, even those things I could, for anyone on an issue, and I would imagine to anybody listening to this is like, you know, at least somewhat similar in the lines of martial arts. Maybe not as deep, right? Uh, and also to clarify earlier, uh, I am not saying Sheeta Kim, Larry Tatum are the same, right? I just, just okay, I don't want to fuck more. But but the reason I say this is because like look at that wide of margin of what those two things are, right? Yeah. And the reason I've always appreciated that, it's like I have a buddy who I, I found a recently huge martial arts fan, right? Funny enough, he actually went to the same Jimudo school, right? That I went to as a kid. And we just reconnected out here. Like we didn't funny, even though we went to the same school, we didn't really grow up as friends. Like we just met there and he's a little older than I am. Um, so it was like that difference of like when you're like eight and some kids like, I don't know, 12, like you're not going to hang out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now as adults, it's like, oh, you know what I mean? But uh, I found out recently he's like a huge Shaw brother. Like he has – honestly, I saw his criteria on – he has some stuff that I would think you would – like I want to introduce you when you guys come to LA, right? Heck yeah. But like huge – we had like a kung fu movie night the other day. And we watched like – and when he said that, he's like, yeah, we, we kept talking about we should do it. I thought I was like, okay, we'll probably sit and watch something like Super Cop or – you know, which is great, right? Yeah, or like, yeah. like Enter the Dragon, but like movies we've seen a million times, right? You know, this guy started, he's like, we're going to watch Royal Warriors to start. Uh, we watched, uh, what was it? Um, we watched, uh, uh, I think we watched Miracles or something. Like, we watched some nice. pretty good ones, like deep cuts, you know yeah. what I mean? And when he showed me his room of like all of the Kung Fu movies he had, like some, like I remember some were like still in the plastic, you couldn't open them. Like, and I was like, oh, dude, this guy, right? But here's the thing. As much as I respect that, right? He's not a martial arts nerd like you or I, where then I will also be expecting to have him to have like a free subscription to Wing Lamb catalog, right? Or like like you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. like like have a Christmas card from Tiger Claw Martial Arts yep. and then like also watch like uh every Ramon Decker's fight, right? Yeah. You though, sir, are that guy, and that is a rare breed. I've not met a lot. I've, there's only it's like a rare Pokemon, right? So that's why every time, like, I think to myself, "No, he's not gonna get." Yeah, I, I'll test it, right? And God, what was one recently? Ah, uh, God, I don't know. I think it was some something where it was just like, uh, in my, uh, I don't know. I don't want to take up time, like you know, wasting here, whatever here, like uh, uh trying to remember something, wasting airtime there, but like. You get me, sir. Yes. You complete me. That's all I, you know. Likewise, likewise. And the funny part is also we connected a lot, like a lot of people in the pandemic, just because everyone was at home. Yeah. I ended up leaving LA and it was just, you know, people are at home, not much going on. Let's text, let's chat, let's, uh, you know, go over random nerdy stuff. And that's the thing. And, and Jessica always laughs when she sees me truly nerd out when I meet people, especially if it's out in public, right? So even at LA Comic-Con, uh, where we had our booth, you kind of bring it up like with your friend thinking, okay, we're going to watch Super Cop or something. Same thing. We'd have people stop by our booth and they're like, oh yeah, I love martial arts movies. And you're expecting them to say something like, you know, if they're going old school, Enter the Dragon. Cool. Enter the Dragon, one of my all-time favorite movies. But yeah, you're expecting movie. them to say, I don't know, like The Matrix or, you know, something or Rush Hour. Cool. But then you get the occasional one that was like, so have you ever seen Master of the Flying Guillotine? And I was like, have I seen Master of the Flying Guillotine? You bet your uh, backside I have. Uh, and then same thing, just random. 
And I always get so excited. And then when you get to go down these tangents and sometimes I feel like I'm maybe slightly overwhelming people, but at the same time, if they're into it, you got to get it out. That's a part equally excited. Like we're, you know, we're, (laughs) there's not many of us out there. And, uh, as, as I, I was joking on the podcast a few weeks ago, even like when I first got to high school and as, as lame as this sounds, cause I, I grew up in the Central Valley, which has a lot of similarities to Texas, right? You know, so I was in a straight up- I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I was in a straight up like little farm town where it was predominantly like Caucasian and Hispanics, right? And then I ended up going to high school about 20 minutes away where suddenly there was a lot more diversity. And I, you know, I got to meet uh, and have a bunch of Asian friends for the first time. And I'm all excited. I'm a nerd, right? I'm This is basically a martial arts movie within itself. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And like, so I just kind of assumed my new like Chinese friends would be super into Kung Fu movies, but they were not. Like, they're like, yeah, I mean, Jackie's cool, but whatever. (laughs) And I was like, oh, geez. Okay, my bad. But then, and I was talking about this a few episodes ago. Then it was actually... I made some, you know, then I have other friends, like it was actually kind of other, you could say diaspora or like Southeast Asian groups. Like I had Vietnamese friends and Hmong friends, and they were the ones that were actually super into Kung Fu movies. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, but my point being, it's hard to find, we're a clan. We're, you know, a small group and it's not who you would expect sometimes. And sometimes it's who you wouldn't expect, but you can, you can never judge a book by its cover because even at like LA comic-con, some of the people I met that were hardcore, I was really surprised. Like even we, we met like this one uh, lady who was kind of almost like cosplay model esque. And like, she had some deep knowledge of Kung Fu movies. And I was like, what the heck? Like I, she kind of started testing us with basic stuff and then kept going deeper and deeper. I was like, who are you? Like, how do you know this stuff? And plus, you know, I think there's two things that like, that are kind of weird about it, right? Because one, I don't want to be as negative, but I, I I always rely back on that, like that old, like black and white movie freak shows. And whenever I hear someone who nods, like one of us, one yeah. of us, you know? Join us. Yeah. But uh, I, it's something that my, uh, when I was, the other night when I was watching with my friend, what really got me is, uh, and again, my knowledge is but a drop compared to your ocean because that's what impressed me about you. I just don't like, you know, way more about that shit. So you're, I, I can defer to you as like humbly bow my head. You're the expert. Right. So, and also my memory is just shit nowadays, but uh, I believe we watched, it was Royal Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the Michelle Indiana Jones one, right? Michelle. No, or Magnificent, Magnificent Warriors, okay. which so, spoiler alert for everybody. That's our episode. We're dropping next week that Gab and I have already recorded. Right. So, oh, he probably oh, so, has the brand new Blu-ray there. Yes, yes. So, so, okay, so I have the same one. That's why when you said Royal Warriors, I was like, oh, that that Blu-ray doesn't come out for another two months. Maybe it was an old DVD copy. I might have, but- I might have even talked to you about it. Maybe because like, but hey, nice little segue. Yeah. Because um, I thought we were watching Royal Warriors, which, you know, also great movie. That was like, that was the movie that kind of turned me on to Michelle Yeoh, where right. I was like, holy shit. Like, because as a kid, I think I saw her in the Bond movie. Mm-hmm. And I understand that that was before Crouching Tiger, right? Yes, that, I don't remember. Yeah, and that was cool, right? And I and and I remember my mom and everybody was like, it's such a big deal that she's in it. And I just thought it was because she was Asian, right? Which right. is, you know, truthfully, that's a whole other subject, right? But she's like, no, no, she's made all these great martial arts movies, and and I think you know what? I think maybe had only seen her in Super Cop, right? Mm-hmm. So then. I knew she was good and I thought she was great, but I didn't know she had a whole career like on her own. I, yeah. I thought, she, you know what I mean? And it was Royal Warriors that I saw, the one where they had that fight in the plane that I was like, oh, they blew my, yeah. it was like a, it's a pretty dark movie, right? Like in a good way, like, like it's just, it's crazy. It's not just like some, you know, fun action movie. It's like, it's gritty. It's, it's, oh, like it's a really it's gritty it's good it's hardcore it's i'm super excited for this box set so it's the whole in the line of duty box set even though that technically wasn't 
at least as an in the line of duty movie till later, but we're not going to get right. into that. But that film, same thing. Like I love Magnificent Warriors, but Royal Warriors, that's, well, man, that's the, that's, it's a movie. But here's the thing. The reason I mentioned Magnificent Wars is because I remember that was one of those movies. You know, sometimes you'll fall, you'll fall uh, down a rabbit hole and you'll find clips of things. Right. And I was like, I've never seen that. But I knew I'd seen the fight scenes. That's the thing, right? And so what got me about that movie, which was great, was that I kept thinking it was we're going to watch Royal Warriors. Uh-huh. So when we started when we started watching it, and it was like no spoilers for anybody who's seen it, but it's like it's like an Indiana Jones movie. Yep. And there's just so many reasons that blows my mind because like one, the time that they made it. And two, like now as Asian American representation is becoming more and more of a topic, right? Like we – that's why we watched, at least for myself, as a you know Asian man, I would watch all those Hong Kong movies because – not just because of the martial arts I loved. It was like that's the only way I could see people like me mm-hmm. not be like a fucking stereotype or a coolie or whatever, right? Yeah. But then you have some people who would argue, oh, well, those are – like whatever. But the thing like Magnificent Wars that blew my mind was like, wow, this is like – it felt like a like just the way it was shot, the story like yeah it might be like a uh, Hong Kong Indiana Jones, but the hell, the fact that they had the balls to make that, and how good it was like it's, objectively even if you don't like martial arts it's a fun cool adventure movie it's a big budget movie for that yeah. time too eight million U S dollars which is and was insane one thing that I love is that like I'm a big rope dart guy right so ah. like, the fact that she does it like that you know that's another so you know but I say all this stuff is because as we watched it right. Um, I believe there is room for it's so bad that it's good. But with martial arts movies, I think that's what sucks a lot of times is that people who aren't like yourself or maybe like my, you know, me or, or my other friend I was telling you about, like, we watch it objectively. We watch it with this grain of like, yes, we're in it for the martial arts, but sometimes they're just good movies. Yeah. And so watching that movie just made me really proud because I was like, wow, and like, no, we, as a martial arts fan, as a martial artist, as, you know, a filmmaker, these movies can exist to prove why it's important to have action movies, martial arts movies. And it reminds me of a conversation I had with a girl that I knew. Um, and it's kind of it's a long story. This is one of those long story short weird things. But like she was a girl like kind of like, you know how you met that girl, the cosplay girl, right? Right. And you're like, wow, I can't believe you like this nerd stuff that I do, right? And to be fair, anyone can like it. It's just that like we are very few specific nerds. And it's not about being male, female, whatever. It's like – just a per- anybody with a pulse to know that they have it. It's like, oh my God, right? So there was a girl uh, that I knew, I want to say like junior high or high school or something like that. And I think it was like right after college or high school and college, we started talking just casually, right? Yeah. And she, I remember her telling me that she really liked the movie Kung Fu Hustle, right? Uh-huh. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Really is. Well made. And, you know, that was around that Stephen Chow boom, which really excited me here in America. It's like, wow, like finally, right? And I told, and she's like, yeah, do you like that movie? I'm like, oh yeah, it's so great because it's funny. It's, you know, it's self-referential. It's like, it's just really well made. And she's like, oh, that's why you liked it? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I liked it because it's just one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's so stupid and silly. And like, and the thing is, and maybe look, maybe I'm just kind of waxing poetics, but like, I think when you and I watch them, right? Because sometimes it does take a little, so you have to kind of come out of your bubble and think like, hey. You kind of have to watch it within context. Right. You know what I mean? And, and and I'm not saying the way she viewed it was wrong, but it was just such that weird moment of when you're like, oh, we got two different – it's like, you know, when you find out like your favorite band is liked by someone that like he thinks a jerk. Like I remember like yeah. when I found out like a lot of jocks really like Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, like, you know, it's like, wow, well, you, you have every right to like them, but it's like, I, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, we, we talk about that a lot where like it – from a film criticism perspective, if you go like break it down, you're looking at like psychoanalytic and 
you know, everybody brings their own experience to movie viewing and creating a textual analysis. So for you and I, like when Kung Fu Hustle came out, there was so much more we saw. We saw a mainstream representation of like the Mole Tao, you know, yeah. uh, Hong Kong Cantonese style comedy with plenty of references to uh, old school Shaw Brothers, a lot of intertextuality, like straight up references to other films within the film. Uh, but for a lot of American audiences, they had zero exposure. But it's funny because I talk about this. One of my best friends growing up who was not into martial arts movies at all or anything like that, polar opposite, he loved Kung Fu Hustle. And he didn't come at it that same way, but I think he loved it for the absurdity of it. Right. And the comedy was as much as it did have the traditional mole tao elements to it, it also had a broader, more universal physical comedy aspect to it. But it is funny how, you know, your your friend can say this. You'd be like, no, what are you talking about? There's so much more to it. Like, don't you understand? Like, blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, it's like you you, you have to respect other people's right, perspectives, right. even as frustrating as it can be. Just like there's certain films that even you and I may watch and we may have completely different opinions. And guess what? That's what film theory That's fun, is. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. We are supposed to theorize, come up with an idea about something and then share our thoughts. And there's going to be disagreements and there's going to be agreements. And that's how we create more schools of thought about things such right. as film. Well, and, and the Oh, sorry, sorry, no, no, I was pretty much finished. Yeah. And, and I think the last part of it, and that's why, like, you know, again, finding someone like, you know, like a kindred spirit in that regard of interest, right, is so like kind of fascinating because I think martial arts movies, unfortunately, sometimes because there is somewhat of a, you know, when we get into like the super cheap B, like, you know, there are bad movies, yeah. right, in any genre. But I think what's tough about martial arts movies is it's almost like, I don't know, maybe I don't want to speak for both of us. Maybe you don't feel this way, but sometimes it's like this weird like shame of liking it so much because there is a stigma that a lot of people have about it just being mindless. Like mm -hmm. you're dumb for liking it. Cause you know, but then the other tough part is if you want to defend it or you want to, you know, show why you're, because I love people with passion. Mm -hmm. I love Likewise. people who like, it could be like pickleball. I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there. But like when I meet someone who's just genuinely into what they do for the love of it, and it's not like a condescending or like, holier than thou kind of thing it's infectious right yes. however sometimes with martial arts movies the tough part is even for myself i catch myself when like there's something that i like and i'm trying to explain so hard to someone to like it like almost convince them i'm like that's where you're losing them bro like you know what i mean Cause, and and that's where i get lost because like i have friends who are way deeper into it and it's just like dude just just chill out like i'm just trying to watch them round kicks you yeah. know I, as long as the person doesn't come to it with a sense of ignorance then i don't right. mind right and then like i'm not even saying you have to have an intellectual debate but if you're coming into it very close-minded ignorant uh yeah you yeah, don't to, say, to do homework yeah, before watching it you precisely know? but if you just are like you know what i don't like it like you give me your reasons. I'm like, all right, cool. But occasionally you will run to that person that's just being ignorant, like refusing yeah. to have an open mind or talk about it even. And you're just like, uh, that can be frustrating. But right. like, like you, there's, there's certain times where, you know, you catch yourself and it's like, but wait, no, how do you not love fearless hyena? But a lot of that, right, like right. Gavin, and I talk about is the nostalgia factor too. films that we grew up watching, right? Like I still have my original OG Jackie Chan VHS pack in eyesight of me. And some of those movies I've watched in there, and I will admit they're not of the highest caliber, but I still love to watch them because it takes me instantly back to my childhood. And I remember getting my little 13 inch VCR combo TV for Christmas <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and popping those bad boys in and just summers where, you know, I didn't have school and I didn't have to go to bed at a certain time and just watching Jackie Chan movies late in the night. Like, you know, the, the 
these are the experiences that we bring into these films also. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, like, as you said, it is becoming more mainstream now. And I find that people are actually trying to appreciate some of these old school films too, just because they're getting exposed to them. And hopefully with all the great uh, exposure that Michelle Yeoh's had in the last year, oh, her yeah. older films will start to have more appreciation because like you said, they were good movies. You go back and look at Royal Warriors. Yes, Madam, Magnificent Warriors. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, very well-made films. They're great action films. The cinematography, the lighting, everything is just beautiful. Uh, you know, you don't have to necessarily appreciate them as like Shakespeare, but you can sit down and watch those. And if you like any sort of contemporary action, you are also going to like those films. And the fact that, you know, the, these were the films that reestablished the leading lady action yeah. hero, right? The Girls with Guns subgenre was born out of pretty much Yes, Madam. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that it was Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock. Right. And you know, it's, fun, it's funny too. It's like when we talk about film as a whole, right? It's like, that's why, and not to get too defensive about it, right? Because there's nothing to defend. I, to a certain degree, I'm like, because end of the day, it's like people are going to like what they like. And that's like you said earlier, like with film, it's like you like what you like and that's kind of the fun of it, right? But I think what's funny is that again, with our genre, right? There's like a lot of defense of like, oh, this, that, you know, but when people look at film, right? And like, yes, there's totally a sect that I think film should just be fun, right? Yeah. Like it, it doesn't have to, it can just be entertainment. But then sometimes, right? Film at its best sometimes is this great art form to discuss a wide, you know, plethora of topics from socioeconomical, mm -hmm. political, whatever, or even just like the cathartic, you know, like, the humanity in life, right? And then that's where, you know, I think, again, you lose people, not you, you know, AJ specifically, but like any film nerd, right? Because then it's like, dude, come on. Like, just let me watch this. Let me watch Jurassic Park, right? Right. But I think that's why it's so cool to discuss it with martial arts movies is because often people forget. And again, like, you don't need to have a whole, you know, like PhD in this. I don't expect, you know, like there's movies that I watch, like Korean movies. I like, I don't know a lot about that stuff, but it makes me appreciate it more when I understand like, you know, the system that it takes, you know, like their system is different than ours, right. right? But with Kung Fu movies or martial arts movies, I think that's what I really, as I get older too, get like more proud about, especially saying like as the rise of Asian culture, you know, is because it's like, we take it really for granted that even like, you know, those B movies in the 80s, right? Like the plethora of those action 80s movies, like Sand and Sword ones, like, you know, like they look pretty good. Like, you know, like not great, but you know. Cookie cutter. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. And it's, I wouldn't say it was easy because it's own strike, but like people can watch those and I appreciate it for what it is, right? Like, mm -hmm. hey, I can't believe you tried and like happy for you. But for the Hong Kong stuff, I think, or not Hong Kong, but martial arts movies, sometimes I think people who are a little uninitiated just want to write off so like, oh, this is sucks because it doesn't have this production value or whatever. But it's like, no, if you kind of know what's going behind on it, I think you appreciate it on another level. Just like all movies, you know, when you find out the special effects in a movie with stop motion and whatever, that's kind of that weird magic charm. Yeah. And, and yeah. There's a lot of merit that goes towards Kung Fu movies in a film studies perspective too, which, you know, the old school thought is, oh, it's lowbrow. Oh, it's chop socky. Right, right, but right. When you look at certain elements, especially of more modern film criticism, I mean, we'll just throw them out there like, Feminist criticism. Okay, we can go all the way back to the 60s, the wuxia genre, Cheng Peng Peng and Come Drink With Me, right? Like the female-led yeah, action hero, yeah. pioneering. Okay, we can look at uh, 
you know, what's sometimes called queer theory or LGBTQ theory. Like there was actually a lot of representation, maybe not in a positive way, but a significant amount throughout martial arts cinema, right? Especially right, right. this idea of genders and femininity found sometimes within masculinity. Let's look at post-colonial criticism. Yeah, Tell me yeah, that's yeah. not significant, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. You yeah, see, it's it's like, you get it. Exactly. You get it. That's, and, that, and as silly as it is, that's one of the reasons I went back to get my master's. I was like, look, Somebody's got to take charge here because although there's a lot of people that talk about martial arts movies, there's not a lot of people that know what they're talking about. And it's interesting. Uh, I talked to a professor from the University of Hong Kong uh, during the pandemic when I was contemplating going for my PhD and he listened to the podcast and he, you know, he, he gave me some high praise and stuff, but, and I was like, you know what? I feel like it's become a lot more people talking about it now though. Like from, yeah. uh, uh, you know, a film theory perspective, he said, yeah, but most of them don't know what they're talking about. Right. And right. so you get these people that just say these it's just assumptions. They're saying it as fact, but it's like, no, it's not a fact. That's, you know, you can have a theory and back it up, but no, people speak things as facts when they're actually assumptions. And it's kind of, unfortunately, doesn't help our cause. Right. And man, I, I definitely don't know if I want to misquote because I could have it wrong. I think it might've been Fritz Lang, but I, I could be wrong. But he had that like famous quote about like film reflects nationalism of like any country, like no matter what, not good, bad or whatever. It's just you know, I guess kind of to dumb it down to a small, because there's different interpretations of that, but like movies reflect the culture of the time. Yeah. And it seems like, right, like pretty obvious, but a lot of people, you know, you don't really, under, you know, it's like you look at like the seventies, right? How obviously with film history, like the sixties was great musicals, everything's happy, go lucky in the seventies, things get freaking gritty. Right. Yep. And then, you know, all the action, all the movies, right. And then you go to the 80s and it's kind of like back to, hey, happy go, you know, yeah. 90s. is. And then and, 80s, I, we have the Reagan era where we get our uh, yeah. awesome action heroes and stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why I always think it's like when people can understand why those really matter to kind of like, it's a reflection of ourselves as people. Yeah, 100%. And, I, and martial arts moves, I think too, like uh, someone actually said something to me once too the other day about uh, understanding Chinese. And as a Chinese person, I realized, oh, I... I didn't understand it because my my grasp of the culture and of the language is just not strong enough. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were saying like, you know, what's tough about, it's like the entry level, you know, like how K-pop's really big, right? Mm -hmm. And they have their own, you know, difficulty, like uh, nuances, right? But someone was telling me once about like how it was very hard for them to kind of like uh, convey to people about what they find fun in Chinese culture and books is because the prereq was like, well, you, you basically need to be pretty somewhat educated about like, Two, three thousand years of history. Yeah. Cause this joke is layered with like 10, you know, references. <laughs> Jokes and insults both. Yeah. Yeah. And and I never really thought of that because it's like, you know, a good pun, a good play on words, a good, you know, like the Chinese have been doing this for millennia, you know? Yeah. And so same with Kung Fu movies is sometimes when I watch it, like I catch things that I didn't know before, right? Like, good example, we talked about um the series, like Bruce Lee's series of movies before Enter the Dragon, right? Way of the Dragon. For years, blew my entire mind. Like I always knew it was like a fish out of water story, but I didn't understand the like the kind of not the politics, but the un, the reasoning of why he was going to Italy to help the Chinese restaurant or like the cultural differences. Mm -hmm. Like I always say that there the cut that I had that I never understood for years was um, Bruce Lee's at the fountain and he's with the girl that he's there to help, right? And that really attractive Italian lady yep. that gives him the eye, and then she gets mad. The cut I had never showed that part where they go back to the yeah, apartment. Same. That was the original American release and the VHS one all the way through the 90s uh, that I also had. So then later right. you get the, the DVD re-releases and we finally get 
that version and it's right. like oh and spoiler alert there's people who haven't seen like a 40 year old movie now right or what i don't 50 year old movie now but uh i can't do math but she's a prostitute yes and the joke is he's a country bumpkin who didn't know that he thought it was a girl that like and correct me if i'm wrong but like that's the joke is that he thought this girl was like sweet on him and the girl that he came the, the chinese girl that he came to was like so disgusted that he was like right and and, and the reason it's funny is because the cut i had just cuts to him in the apartment or the whatever, and he's doing sidekicks in front of the mirror, and that's it. And it cuts back to whatever. Oh, interesting. So, so the, it's got some of the yeah. part of it, right? And for the people who haven't seen it, what happens is that they go back to the apartment. He does sidekicks in front of the mirror, and maybe have the Mandela effect, but then she gets naked, right? Yes. That and is then what, he realizes, like, oh, it's a prostitute, runs out of there. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny. It's like a, a you know. Yeah. But when you're when you're watching that as a as a kid, I was like, why why is she hating on him so bad? Like he just and you the, know. The funny part is. All of the Bruce Lee films had R ratings when they were released. Yeah, yeah. And so they could have kept that in there. Because in all honesty, the release of Way of the Dragon the, without that sequence, because, yes, yeah, she does show her uh, uh, her chest exposed. Right. Uh, really, the version that was released should not have been R rated. But at that time, there was a lot of uh, like, I think with all the martial arts stuff, they're sort of like, well, you know, it might be it might be too easy for people to replicate this and they can hurt themselves. So we have to make it R rated, yeah, yeah. you know, like it just like for years, nunchucks weren't allowed on British film and because they thought people could too easily replicate them. But I think this is a perfect way to segue into one of the last things I want to talk about today, which was the tangent we went on yesterday. And this is something that's been coming up on other podcasts a lot recently, specifically my good friend Sifu Alex over at the Kung Fu Genius podcast is the idea of what would have happened to Bruce Lee had he lived. And you and I went down a rabbit hole yesterday. And yeah. the funny part is, I always joke too, you always happen to text me. Like, so normally I drive Jessica and I everywhere we go, right? So yesterday though, she was, no, excuse me, this was on Sunday. So she was driving us. She's like, you know what? I'll drive us today. And I was like, okay, because we're running errands and stuff. And you happen to text me. So I'm in the passenger seat just and we went down this rabbit hole about like what would have happened to Bruce. Mm. And it's an interesting thought experiment because I think casual fans or even hardcore fans just think, oh, you know, he would have just kept being Bruce and being awesome and it would have been amazing. But I think in actuality, a lot of the true fans can step away and be like, look, I think, you know, Bruce obviously still would have been an incredible actor, filmmaker, martial artist, but it would have not have been smooth sailing. He right. was destined to run into some more obstacles, a lot of it based off of his own lifestyle choices. Right. And no one no one can stay on top, right? And then right. regardless of who, like, I think the fair thing to say too, right, is that like, even John Wayne at a certain point wasn't top billing, right? Yep. And even the top, you know, stars, it just happens, right? But uh, yeah, I don't know. So AJ, do you have like a like a theory or? A- well, I I have a feeling that without a doubt, based off the unfortunate uh, revelation of the the drug letters from mm. you know, I got, is it almost a couple years back now? You know, it's pretty much. I think it happened in the pandemic. Yeah, right? so like, I think it was twenty twenty one. So like almost two years ago, I remember it being the beginning of summer, and it was just this bombshell. So I think Bruce was he obviously had a significant cocaine problem like not a not a casual thing it was like it seemed pretty heavy and uh, you know obviously it could be theorized now that that's what led in part to his death and so i think that would have been a major obstacle both Mm. physically and financially you know it's that could have definitely led to some issues we know his personal life was a lot in shambles but a lot of that could have been from the drug use so i Mm. it's interesting 
I feel like Enter the Dragon would have come out, would have been this massive hit. He also would have been, remember, he was supposed to go on The Tonight Show to promote it. He was scheduled, so like- Is Johnny Carson? Yeah. Wow. I know. So I feel like Enter the Dragon would have been huge. I feel like they would have immediately followed that up, given him more creative control. I have a feeling, okay, he would have gone to finish Game of Death. They probably wouldn't have released that in America. I feel like Game of Death would have been way too experimental. It was because his- original game of death and like when we watch the footage now and you know the notes it's very philosophical it's wasn't very, it called like the pakoda or something like well, that right? no, I, I think game of death is what the the working yeah, title yeah. was you see that on the paperwork but i have a feeling or maybe even game of death wouldn't have gotten finished at that point and they would have gone straight into another big blockbuster mm. i feel like he would have had another couple big hits but then i feel like there's a few things that could have happened his personal life could have caught up with him that could have been disastrous and you know led to some hiatus of some sort there it's theorized that he was possibly he was more interested in doing film like behind the scenes so maybe he would have done a few more movies and then gracefully segued into being more of a director and filmmaker which i think he could have been fantastic at as well uh the interesting part is though you and i were getting to talk about it i think you nailed it on the head what could have been his possible trajectory had everything not gone its worst but not its best and we were talking about it and like you mentioned the Charles Bronson path. Mm. And I feel like this is something that could have very well happened. So let's say for people that don't know, uh, Charles Bronson, big Hollywood star, made some classic films, some of the best. And then in the eighties, he kind of became this born again, action star making like death wish two through 10 and, you know, a bunch of these other Canon action films. And I, I, this is one I, I haven't really heard before this theory. And I think you're onto something because I think maybe, you know, possibly Bruce, I hate to say would have gotten washed up, but maybe would have gotten past his prime, but then possibly in the eighties made a comeback doing like legitimate action movies, but kind of uh, as part of that studio system. I don't know. Like, what do you think? Well, well, see, that's just tough, right? So one, what you mentioned earlier, I'm not even going to touch with the 10-foot pole because yeah. I'm a good boy and yeah. that will never say, you know, but it's legit. Like yes. I'm not, you know, but that the reason I'll take that's just a tough subject, right? Very, like yeah. And, and I think that's what's hard with Bruce. I love Bruce. We're, I think, some of the biggest Bruce Lee fans ever. But yeah. I think to like any person to that degree, you have to accept both the good and the bad, right? Exactly. And I think that's always what's tough about these situations is because like I think uh, – uh, there's been so much good said about and, and well-deserved, right? Well-deserved, but it's always kind of tough because yeah, like for every great man, there's just things that happen. You yeah. Know? For, um, for any sort of innovator, artist, phenomenal human being like he was, he did so much for the world of martial arts, the world of martial arts, cinema, the world in general, in terms of, uh, representation right. uh, and so forth. And but, did you, did you like my diplomatic fancy footwork of just dancing around? I don't remember that. Hey, I can't the, the way. I'm the host. That's my responsibility. Yeah. Uh, but we, we I don't see, want the Bruce Lee fans coming after yeah. me. Except, again, I love him. I love him. I'm wearing a jumpsuit right now. I, I'm wearing the Bruce Lee hoodie right now, dog. We're yeah. So uh, blasphemer. Yeah. The the thing is, we see with some of our favorite artists have huge problems. Like, right. and that, that's it's kind of this dichotomy so, uh, because sometimes when you're that amazing or skilled in something, of course, there's going to be other aspects of your life that aren't so perfect. But you know, and also like you you. Uh, Kind of on in the same vein here, it's kind of like the domino. Like I always think about the domino ripple effect of what happened because the tough part with anybody who died way too young, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the like the Twenty Seven Club, right? In like music, right? Yeah. Would Jimi Hendrix be Jimi Hendrix yep. now if he stayed around? And look, to be fair, he might have made a couple of bad albums. It just happens. Yeah. Like Kurt Cobain, right? Like it just there's always that what if or that lingers, right? So I think a lot of what you just discussed is it's 
very possible, right? Because like these people aren't just well-known, they're legends. Right. When you think about Bruce Lee, what made four movies, right? And forever, it's like a Muhammad Ali thing, right? When we're long gone and dead in the ground, people are going to look at him as like, holy crap, right? And there's a rarefied air of that, like a Charlie Chaplin, right? Like people probably, I don't think that people are actively watching Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin movies, right? Mm -hmm. But they know who they are to a degree, right? So with Bruce Lee, I think an interesting part that, you know, like we discussed, right, was I think what you said about him moving in behind the camera, that that's what kind of fascinates me. Because do you think at that point, if he does, does he just do martial arts movies? No, I, I, feel I don't like think he, he does, right? No, he would want to do other films. And Dramatic. He'd, yep, and he'd want to do them in the American studio system. And I feel like he possibly would have run into roadblocks there. Yes, so then yes. he would have. You know, and his plan, one of the things that has been pretty well established, even like I think Matthew Pauly talked about it, the author of uh, the most recent biography, is that Bruce's plan was to go back and forth still. Like, do yeah, it, he wanted to switch over to America, but then he was still planning to come back and do a Hong Kong film like once a year or something to keep the audience and this and that. So maybe it was the same thing. Maybe, maybe let's say everything goes great. He, uh, you know, physically gets everything back in line, you know, 100% health, mentally, physically. And, you know, he becomes the superstar. He starts making big action movies in America. And then suddenly he's like, you know what? I want to step behind the camera. All right, awesome, great. You can make action movies. Well, no, I want to make more than just action movies. I want to make dramas and stuff. And they're like, yep, sorry, not going to happen. He just goes back and does the same thing he did before. Goes back to Hong Kong and is like, hey, look, I'll make you an action picture as star director, but then you got to let me write and direct a drama or right, a right. comedy or something. And then he establishes himself as a filmmaker in these other genres and then works his way back once again into Hollywood. But Or maybe he goes the TV route. Maybe he becomes like a, a TV director uh, of some sort. But I feel like that is maybe one of the, the best options we could have hoped for had he lived. But it's, it's such an interesting thought experiment because nobody knows. Maybe right. maybe he wouldn't yeah. have had There's as no much. right or wrong. Yeah. Maybe he wouldn't have had as much power in his living as he had in his passing, right? You know, maybe right. a lot of this, you know, significance and him being literally ingrained in the zeitgeist of our culture is his posthumous legend, you know? Well, and this sounds, and I don't mean to sound insensitive, but like, it's like that old saying of like, how can we miss you if you don't go away? Now, this is a different situation, right? right. Obviously, someone dying should not, you know, see that, that's worse. But I think what's why I made that kind of like Bronson um, analogy. And this, it starts off from a stupid place. I watched Death Wish 4 and then back. Because I remember my dad had like a copy of Death Wish, like a VHS as a uh-huh. kid. I didn't know there was, I mean, I assumed there was three others, right? But I don't think I knew much about Charles Bronson other than like, I think when I was a kid, I, I vaguely remember him like the Dirty Dozen, right? Yeah. You know? And so I, I knew the name and whatnot, but what always struck out or stuck out to me was that like when I watched Death Wish 4. Like, he was an older guy, right? I don't know. How old was he? Maybe 50s, right? Probably. Oh, yeah. D- definitely. By right? He was older, right? Yeah. And what I didn't realize, and this is why I made that comparison, I didn't realize, because people always told me he was a body guy or like kind of a tough man, right? Uh-huh. And I thought he was that like 1950s, 60s kind of tough guy, right? Like, you weren't Jack. Right. Bronson was Jack. He was Jack, He man. was just Jack, Yeah, right? his forearms. You're like, what the hell? He was a pretty muscular guy. And that's why I was wondering, like, because timing is everything, right? Because when Bruce Lee would be in the 80s, he what, would probably be in his 40s by then? Yeah, because right? he was born in 1940. Right. So, yeah. He'd be in his 40s. And so, no shame. Even, like, even how legendary he was about training. And, and I'm sure he will look great, right? Right. But things were different. Being a 40-year-old man then versus being a 40... You can have Liam Neeson in his 60s become an action star out of nowhere, right? Yeah. With the Taken series. So that's why I was like, I think it would have been a tough road because by the time he got to the 80s and you're competing with prime Stallone, prime 
Arnold. We talked about that. And like was Stallone was was he maybe in his late thirties by that point in the eighties, right? Getting so close to Stallone was born in forty six. So yeah, he was like in yeah, when, yeah mid thirties, late thirties. Yeah. So it's one of those things where like it's not impossible, but those are the rarefied guys, yeah. right? And then on top of it, like you've got a guy who wasn't the same that like Bruce was big and jacked, but like everything got heightened. And you know, it'd be a fallacy to say that Arnold and Stallone, part of their appeal, right, was that ultra jacked machismo. And that's why I say the thing about Bronson was because in the 70s, if you look like a Clint Eastwood, you look like a Bronson, you look like a Bruce Lee, you look at any of those kind of like gritty stars, that sells. That's relatable. Yeah. Freaking taxi driver, right? You can be like Robert De Niro style, you know what I mean? And he was, you know, ripped, right? But you move into the 80s. So what happens then? Does he can you imagine a Bruce Lee like more muscle? That might actually be kind of weird. I don't know if I want to see that. It's and, interesting, but he had the kind of physique that he could have aged into as well, as long as he right. kept it up, like that kind of old man Sanui ripped. Uh, but it's interesting how or what he would have done to compete with this right. younger generation. Uh, well, technically not that much younger than him as crazy. I mean, they're technically, I guess, in the same generation. Right. I guess we don't think of it because it's, you know, but here's the other, uh, I think, kind of hypothetical that has. And I think that's why it's the fun, the discussion of it, right? Is that when that does happen, right? What was Enter Dragon in 74? 73. Seven, I'm sorry, 73. So 73. That's seven years of potential movies he can make before going into the 80s. Mm-hmm. Does he make an Enter the Dragon 2? Does it become like, like a, almost like a Rocky series, right? Three or whatever. And do we get to a point where does something like the gritty, you know, because those movies are all gritty in the 70s, right? That like now we're going to get like a Rocky three, like over the top Enter the Dragons because Bruce Lee do it. Or is his style of it now considered, uh, I don't know, out of fashion, right? Because you get what I'm saying here, yeah, right? Yeah, no, totally. That's the tough part. It's, what can he, you know? Would he stay at the top? Would he? Yeah. I feel like Bruce was intelligent enough where he would have adapted because right, he adapted right. throughout his life. Now, the question is, once again- But would he do it here or overseas? Right. And right. That is, that's the fun of any sort of hypothetical like this. But anyways, I hate to cut us off, but we're right at like our hour mark. Oh, wow. So uh, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. We're going to do this more often for sure. Uh, and we got to hang out soon, man. Yeah, Maybe dude. next month or two. I'm Heck coming yeah. down. We're going to hang out. We're going to nerd out. We're going to do some cool Kung Fu stuff. And then, uh, and also when I'm all done with my competing in terms of Muay Thai and kickboxing, Tiger has sworn he's going to take me on as his apprentice and make me enter a <laughs> Kung Fu competition for forms. And we're going to do it. All right, my friend. Thank you for coming on today. I will talk with you soon. All right. Thank you, sir. Peace, Appreciate brother. You.